This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome. My name is Lise Kukkonen, and this is Practitioner's Viewpoint. In this series of podcasts, I will be interviewing practitioners from different fields on how they see sedentary behavior and promotion of physical activity. Today, I have the honor to introduce my guest, Jason Goodman. Jason is a Mayo Clinic certified wellness coach. He has a master's degree in exercise physiology and a certification in sports nutrition and strength and conditioning. Today, we are going to talk about how to coach someone who wants to improve their biometrics, like blood sugar levels, blood pressure, blood cholesterol levels, and on top of that, improve their overall well-being via lifestyle improvements. But within that topic, we are going to discuss what are the reasons people stop taking care of themselves and what are the most common reasons stopping people to thrive. So welcome, Jason. Thanks. Thanks again for having me, Elise. Well, this is the second time that you are my guest here, and I'm really happy that you took the time to come back. Uh, Last time in October 2021, so just a few months ago, we spoke about motivation and the self-determination theory. But this time it's going to be more practical, I think. But uh, there might be listeners that haven't been listening to our last talk. So could you, Jason, please once again tell us what got you interested in wellness coaching? Well, like many, what got me interested in the wellness field more more generally and wellness coaching were some struggles with my own well-being uh, that really started as a teenager and being an overweight teenager. And to make a very long story very short, uh, not having the tools uh, internally or provided to me by someone else to, to deal with that in a, in a constructive way. So uh, not to be dramatic, I dealt with it in some relatively destructive ways uh, in, in, until I was in a, in a bad place with my well-being in my mid-20s. And it was really uh, the process of putting myself back together holistically that's really been the fuel for uh, my interest in, in wellness. So when you look back at that time now, what would you have wanted, you know, what would help you? Well, that's a, that's a remarkable question. And what I would say is that I've essentially become the person, uh, both personally and especially professionally, that I would have liked to have known um, or who, who would have been helpful to me. And uh, I think to summarize what I could have used is... Uh, someone who brings a great deal of acceptance and compassion and kindness to the process, uh, along with uh, some, uh, some ways of working with both food and movement that are more about working with ourselves as opposed to uh, sort of doing things to ourselves. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that summarizes it fairly well. Okay, I think there is like, I've heard this maybe kind of a similar reason for starting working in a health 
or fitness or sports um, uh, industries, or I don't know if it's in industry is not maybe a correct word for that, but um, many coaches say the same that when they have been doing sports, they they felt that they were not supported in a way they would have liked. And uh, physical therapists, sometimes they might have a bad experience or then, of course, the opposite is that they have met someone very inspirational, you know, and they want to be like. But yeah, thanks for sharing this with us. Sure, sure. Uh, so what are the problems that uh, people come to see you? Usually, I'm, I'm just thinking that, um, you know, quite many of us probably now it's the time of new beginnings you know the beginning of new year so what triggers people to really find a wellness coach well you know as well as i do that it's become very common uh to have what we call these lifestyle ailments uh such as type 2 diabetes cardiovascular disease and, and more those are the the most common and you know the statistics uh reveal that uh, a lot of people are struggling with those ailments and the numbers are, are rising exponentially. So those are conversations that, that people are having with their physicians on a regular basis. And what often triggers someone to seek out uh, my help is that that is getting to a point where it's, uh, it's starting to, to impact how they feel, either literally uh, in terms of you know how they feel physically or it's starting to steal their peace of mind they're starting to worry that they're going down a path that you know isn't going to be pleasant um, people often see uh, what happens with either their parents or their aunts and uncles or their uh, sometimes it's even their their age peers they start to see people having hard times and, uh, you know, what's, there's something interesting here is I think it's easy for wellness professionals uh, or even people who are personally enthusiastic about wellness uh, to look at people who are maybe not taking a lot of action in terms of these kinds of self-care and think that they're unaware, right? Uh, I'll often see a sort of exasperated comment on social media of like something in the direction of don't people realize that high blood sugar leads to this and this and this problem. And my experience is most people do. Um, it's, it's not a lack of, uh, of, of awareness of, of that fact. Uh, there are other things that make it challenging for a person to, uh, to make the kinds of lifestyle improvements that they know would benefit them. Uh, what I'm trying to say is there's, there's a gap between knowing that it's important and, uh, and doing it for, for many people. I definitely agree with you. And I think there's, um, you know, it's all, we have a lot of research and, and even there's so many um, gaps different kinds of caps people have not everybody has the same uh, possibilities that maybe you know uh, 
you or I have or um, or even if we think about like all the research about the reasons why people are not exercising, it's usually on white people and uh, and it's even like the many minorities or they are not even minorities, but huge groups of people um, are not included in this uh, in this research. So we don't really know much about how culture uh, affects, for example, exercising. So, so I, I, I agree that people often know, but there's so many other things that might be maybe at, at this time more important, or at least it maybe seems to people that it's more important than eating, eating healthier. Yeah. Yes. I think this idea that there's something else to do that's more important is very interesting and it allows some acceptance and some compassion into the conversation. Again, it's not, it's not ignorance. It's usually not also laziness. One way we could look at this is, uh, you know, one thing that, that we had talked about earlier that seems like this could be a good time to bring it into the conversation is this, I've noticed some different personalities that struggle with, with self-care. And one I call strivers, and that is people who are working a lot is, you know, it's not, it's not complicated. They're striving for success in their careers. Right now, one way of looking at that is uh, this, what I would present as a false dichotomy that they only care about work. They don't care about their well-being. I would challenge that way of thinking as they associate success at work with well-being. Uh, and, and of course, uh, for all of us, it is on a level, right? If 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 our income, savings, uh, these kind of things drop to a certain level, we 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 fundamentally can't be well, right? And I think um, we forget sometimes that uh, it wasn't that you don't have to go back too many generations in most societies on Earth where success professionally was probably the most important thing to a person's well-being. Uh, maybe tied with the, the second idea that I'll bring to the conversation, the other area that I mentioned to you people struggle is taking care of others. Uh, that often is parenting, grandparenting. Um, uh, that is some, it sometimes relates to career because it's sometimes what we call the helping professions, teachers, nurses. Um, and again, it's not the to me it's not the idea that they're choosing to take care of others instead of themselves it's that they associate taking care of others with their well-being in some way and of course that was part of not only our recent history but also our evolution that the caring for one another was uh critical to our survival so these these are important sort of human traits that uh aren't easy to just put away because because they have great they actually have great value are you a medical doctor physical therapist personal trainer or someone else helping individuals in making a change towards a healthier better life imagine a behavior change tool designed for professionals like you to help your clients achieve better results and at the same time provide you with more income Fibian is that tool. It offers an evidence-based way for health and wellness professionals to extend their services into coaching, 
The only thing your client needs to do is put a tiny Fibian device into their pocket for a week. The device collects objective physical activity data from your client. Fibian helps you to educate and coach your clients through this change towards a more active and healthy life. Strengthen your expert status. Distinguish yourself from the competition. Order Fibian now at Fibian.com. I agree, and and it comes from so you know from you probably come from a family where these it's it's important either to uh, do well at your job or care for others. It's it's you know it's so much deeper this uh, this value in this in in people. So I'm just really uh, for our listeners. You have a website. It's I thrive each day. Yes, <laughs> and you you kind of have this really cool. I really like it. This um, com- I'm guessing that it's your observation uh, of describing people uh, and not ju- not being judgmental. Yes, <laughs> so it's like people are either martyrs, strivers, or uh, avoiders. Was it like that? Correct. And then I think I have maybe have a fourth distinction of um, it's it's a clunky word, but thrivers. You know, and and the way that's what we're we're ultimately all leaning toward, which is that we are taking care of our career. We are taking care care of others in our lives. Uh, and we're taking care of ourselves in, in a balance. It, it's funny. I had a conversation with a client recently who is sort of building this muscle of taking better care of herself. And uh, she's sort of simultaneously delighted that she's having this epiphany and, and this is it, this unfolding and then she's also a little uh, a little nervous that uh, to to put it dramatically uh, that she's becoming a narcissist right <laughs> because she's <laughs> because she's caring and I was able to sort of through our conversation we were able to help her come to see that she has nothing to worry about of swinging you know she hasn't stopped caring for her children she hasn't stopped showing up to work what she's done is found the intersection of those places. Um, in a way that ultimately uh, not only benefits her, and you know, because as uh, her well-being improves, she has more energy, she has more focus, uh, uh, she has more peace and joy. Uh, these are all things that she brings to her family and and her work. So, um, just before we go dive into these three types or four types of people, more more deeply i'd like you to also maybe explain to our listeners that how how do you see uh who is a wellness coach or well-being coach what's the difference for like a personal trainer or you know what what is it that you do there are uh, there are a few distinctions you know one is that uh wellness coaching by nature is very collaborative uh, you could think of a wellness coach as walking alongside a client in contrast to uh, a professional being more of an authority. Uh, now, wellness coaches can be authorities, uh, and the way it works with the, the National Board certification is that wellness coaches uh, can give advice in realms like exercise and nutrition and other areas if they hold uh, a national certification in those realms. But even when I work with clients on nutrition and exercise, uh, I'm working very collaboratively versus um, prescriptively. 
So I'll, I'll ask, um, let's, let's use exercise as an example. I'll ask a client, uh, meaning they'll describe their situation, their goals from a more prescriptive model. It's, all right, let me go to the drawing board and make you a workout plan. Uh, we'll ultimately generate a workout plan for that person, but we'll co-create it. I'll ask questions, you know, what, what um, kind of exercise do you most enjoy? What kind of exercise is most convenient for you? Uh, what has worked well for you in the past? Is there anything new you're interested in trying, anything you've never done before that you're interested in trying and, and really work together? Um, so that's, that's one distinction. Uh, another distinction is that the, the, the field, the, the practice of wellness coaching is really rooted in the psychology of behavior change and habit formation. So we're often practicing something called motivational interviewing. And that's helping, really helping draw out a person's intrinsic motivation. Uh, whereas some of these other fields are more about um, motivating, providing the motivation, right? Um, and uh, you know you're doing a good, you're, you're wellness coaching well. This might be a distinction that people could see in their minds. Imagine a professional of some kind enthusiastically, you know, cheerleading for uh, one of their clients, what you could see in that dynamic is that it's the, mo the source of motivation is coming from the professional. And in a wellness coaching arrangement, uh, the wellness coach works very hard to not be doing the motivating, uh, to allow the motivation to uh, be drawn out of uh, the client. Uh, and, and one reason this is important is it creates a more long-lasting motivation. People like you or I who have formed habits around these kinds of things, we don't necessarily need someone to motivate us. That's because we've, uh, the motivation has come from within us and has become part of our life. Whereas imagine that scenario of the person enthusiastically cheerleading. What you can see is as soon as they're taken out of the equation, the, the client, you know, wilts like a, like a flower that didn't get water or sunlight because they're, their spring, their wellspring of motivation went away. Um, so does it, does that make some sense? Definitely. Yeah. I, I think in, during this Corona virus pandemic, we've seen a lot of, you know, a lot of talk where at least here in Finland, what has happened is that there is like a bunch of people who have now more time to exercise. You know, these are the enthusiasts that now they don't have to commute to work so they can go running in the morning and they can do it lunchtime and even evening if they want to and then there is a lot of people whose motivation have has come from maybe a sports club or from from a coach somewhere else so and uh, their levels of physical activity have come down so I think that's what you have been talking about now mm. yeah kind of in a yes. way yes it's 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 very interesting yeah and it, you know I I've been thinking about this a little bit and it's interesting that in our cultures, there formed over the last several decades this idea around things like nutrition and exercise, maybe even well-being in general, that the way to um, the way to succeed in those realms is to uh, seek out an authority and and sort of uh, and 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 get that advice. And what's interesting about that when I when I think about that is we don't do that in in many other areas for this is the way I've been thinking about this in sort of a joking way um, 
would you go to an authority and say, tell me what neighborhood to live in? Most people would say, no, I want to choose what neighborhood I live in, right? Or would you go to an authority and say, you know, I'm not going to choose. You tell me who to marry. Like people, we've, we've learned in some of these other realms that we want to choose, right? But for some reason in nutrition and exercise, well, you know, nutrition, for example, we used to learn generationally. We would learn how to eat from our parents, from our grandparents, from our, from our great-grandparents. But something happened. It was the advent of nutrition as a field 100 or so years ago or uh, Western medicine in general that has taken – has contributed to the idea that I don't know how to take care of my body. I have to give that power away to someone else. Now, I'm not saying that uh, physicians, nutritionists, exercise physiologists – I'm two of those things are not um, helpful and that their expertise and their authority is not useful. It it sure is. Um, But there's something about that dynamic where um, what what makes this interesting is this isn't like it's definitely not a, a moral or even an ethical judgment. It's a practical judgment. Something happens on that, uh, that affects motivation when we when we give our power away in that way, we um, whereas when we are making some of it's that idea that um, when a person owns a, a, a home or owns a car, they take better care of it than if they're renting a home or renting a car. When we're making a lot of the free choices, maybe lent, you know, borrowing some of the expertise from these authorities, but it's our choice. Uh, there tends to be more of that pride of ownership in the choice, you know, it's not a thing like a, like a home or a car. Um, and that seems to contribute greatly to, uh, both more motivation and more sustained motivation. So, um, I'm just like, it's really interesting. So let's say that there is this inner motivation, which is really deep that you are trying to find when you are interviewing a person or talking to them. So do you think that, um, the same motivation is, um, Because we need motivation in in many areas of our life. Like for example, myself, I can just try try myself here. So I have no problem to motivate myself to exercise. But then again, eating healthy always is much more mm, difficult for for me. Or maybe being regular with eating. So um, do you think that there is the same inner motivation that motivates us? Uh, you know, doing several different things. Or do you find like a different angle? That's a that's a really that's a really good nuanced question. I would think that the, the, I would say that the answer is uh, is yes and no. Uh, if I asked you a question, a, gen, a, a broad question of uh, what would uh, eating better and exercising more bring to your life, you're going to talk about um, what it's like to have better well-being and what that personally brings to your life. So in that sense, I think they'll they would be the answer would be the same or similar. Uh, but then this relates a little bit to what we talked about last time. Um, the more proximal motivation, uh, which is doesn't have to be more complicated than how enjoyable is it. Uh, so knowing, getting to know you a little bit and reading between the lines in the question you asked a little bit. I'm going to make a guess that it's you really enjoy exercising. And and so what I would probably explore with you would be how could because it sounds like you probably have that 
um, more distal motivation for for eating well, uh, but there's a gap. Uh, it's not as exciting or interesting or fun as maybe exercising, and we could probably find some ways to to do that. And then if we succeeded in doing that, and you over a period of time, it could become automatic, like exercising is for you. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.